Hello, my name is Devin, and welcome to Dominion Cast. And I'm Josiah, and today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, this is arguably the best one in the franchise. Uh, I, I think so. I would say that Devin thinks so as well. Yes, I agree. So we're going to be talking about that. But first, we're going to talk about what the CraveDominion.com website is about. So we had this idea a while back, probably a year ago. Um, yeah, close to a year ago, actually, is whenever the site went up. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's been a long time. Um, and basically what the site is about is just being creative. So we're both aspiring creators. I know he's working on a book project. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to do some writing and stuff as well. Um, but yeah, it's just talking about movies, dissecting movies, uh, talking about how to do good characters, how, have, how to, um, distinguish good stories from bad stories and all that kind of stuff. And so we write blog posts about it. And I know for right now, Devin has a lot of blog posts. So I think he's going to talk about that a little bit, but yeah. Um, we just regularly, or the goal is to regularly post blog yeah. posts, articles, whatever you want to call them, just about different facets and aspects of creating a story. So we mainly focus on movies because that's easy. But that being said, we also focus on shows, books, video games, anything with a story focus on the media. Mm-hmm. So I've thrown up a couple articles, blog posts up there, uh, covering different topics such as poetic justice in Full Metal Alchemist, uh, character priorities in Ruby, and how to create a well-written villain using the Darkling from Leigh Bardugo's Shadow and Bone trilogy as the example. We have a lot of fun with them and I highly recommend them if you are interested in creative analysis of any form of media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one up so far <laughs> about, about Anakin and General Gravis and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool, it's neat, you should check it out. But we also have blog posts about the podcast. See how we brought that back? That was that was awesome. That was cool. <laughs> so um, we have, you know, each each episode will have its own post, and we'll have links to Spotify. We'll have a player there, um, and then we'll have a description and some show notes where you can see all the stuff that we talk about, um, like the opening crawl of all the Star Wars movies will be up there. We'll have different forms of references and documents as we go along. Um, but yeah, it's just basically just a creative, a way of us to show our creativity, and a way of us to say, hey, this is good. This is a good movie. This is a this movie does this really well. But this is where some movies don't, or TV shows, or books, or video games, or whatever. Even history. I, I mm-hmm. even want to go into history because history has tons of stories that haven't been told. Or haven't been emphasized enough, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's just, I encourage you to uh, go there uh, whenever you have the chance. Because this is really just an extension of that. That's our, really our main focus, but we're having fun with the podcast as well. Right. So, without further ado... Um, Let's get an Empire Strikes Back. This is my favorite. Like Me my, as well. My favorite, my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> it just has so many, so many things that other, the other movies don't have. Not to say the other movies are horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not maybe, all of them. Not all of them. Not, not, <laughs> not all, all of them are horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is probably the best one because there's so many layers and so much character development happening, and then the world is getting expanded, and you get to see more of the mysteries that are the characters and the villains. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I'm going to start out with uh, reading the opening crawl and talking about the opening crawl, um, and then we can just jump into it. So, the crawl reads, after you know a long time ago, galaxy far, far away, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. So, I, we actually watched the movie yes, and dissected it as we went along, mm-hmm. separately. Um, we'll try multiple different ways of watching the movie and figuring it out. Um, but... One thing I noticed about the opening crawl is that it does a few things. And I think all of them do this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, it tells us what happened, that they destroyed the Death Star. Um, it tells us what the characters have been and are up to. So, you know, building the base on Hoth and everything. It's led by Luke Skywalker and all that. And it sets up the very next scene. And really, the entire movie. Yeah. Because it sets it up and it's like, oh, Vader's... Launch probes into the galaxy. Oh, first scene, you see the probes being launched into the galaxy and landing on Hoth. So I thought that was pretty cool. You could so. make the argument that the opening crawl isn't necessary because everything is established pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Or you could take the argument that I agree with that it sets the groundwork for everything you're about to see mm-hmm. without just being an exposition. Because whenever you think about it, the movie came out like what? Like two or three years after three episode years. three years yeah yeah three years after episode four so it's bringing everyone back up to speed mm-hmm. so it's like here's what happened now this is what luke has been doing luke is in charge of this thing even though that's not in my opinion it's not completely portrayed in the movie that he's the one in charge correct because it just kind it of just, flies away and does his own thing and he goes on a scouting mission <laughs> which is normally reserved for <laughs> yeah for underlings the movie does open with him and han just out scouting in the middle of the frozen tundra is that their job is that their job description i know it's a nitpick but it's a it's a weird yeah. i i get that it introduces them again but it's an interesting choice yeah i, I mean, it is an interesting choice and i i choose to believe I it i choose to believe that he just wanted out of the command center and just volunteered for it to get some air. And then he sees an asteroid or a meteor and he's like, oh, 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 please. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta look at something besides snow and a tauntaun. That's true. It Maybe. could be a character choice. Right. Yeah. But then immediately Luke gets jumped by the Wampa. Right. That he didn't see. I did like how Luke is at the forefront from the very beginning. That's like, it's like, it's, 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 it's a complete... 180 from yeah. a new hope where it's like he's that's the first scene besides the probes obviously mm-hmm. is luke and yes he gets jumped by a wampa and everything but it's like immediate danger oh no the main character mm-hmm. is in trouble now we care before we didn't know luke existed until 15 10 minutes into the movie it is a very refreshing change of pace to yes. have our main character start the story yes and again new hope isn't horrible because of it no it just needs to a new hope is a really good movie it's a really 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 good movie empire is just a better one it's just better and it's just something that you know i wish new hope did a little bit differently um again yeah immediate conflict both seen and unseen Mm -hmm. because luke saw the pro but he didn't know what it was right so there's immediate conflict with the wampa but then you we know that a probe just landed and that's going to be in the back of our minds until they deal with it. Right. Like two minutes into the movie, you already have two concurrent plot lines and two 
different forms of danger. Right. It's a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's it just, again, it's way different than A New Hope to where the conflict is, oh, we're leaving it now. Like, Leia's been captured yeah. and we're completely leaving it. And I guess that's going to be in the back of our minds. But mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, now C-3PO and R2-D2 are in trouble. But are they? They're just stranded. So it's it's right. just it's just a little bit different. Yeah. A New Hope takes a while to get going. But once it gets going, it just keeps consistently being good. Mm-hmm. Whereas Empire starts that off immediately. Right. Which is a marked improvement, to say the least. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Han and Leia's relationship. Whenever Han... It's good. It is good. <laughs> whenever Han... Mostly. ...goes into the control center mm-hmm. and looks at Leia, immediately you can tell. Like, I remember, I, like, watched it as I was watching it uh, the other day. I, like, saw them look at each other, and I'm like, their whole, the whole state of their relationship is shown in that one look. Mm-hmm. It's conflicted. It's like, Han wants to stay, but he doesn't want to admit he wants to stay, but he needs to go, but he doesn't want to go, and then Leia's kind of, you know, the same way. Well, he does have, like, go. a gigantic bounty over his head. Right. He does want to get that rid of, but he doesn't want to leave her, basically. Right. But he would never admit that. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird, and then, it's just weird how one look can kind of let you know okay that's where they're at yeah. <laughs> they're at that stage um <laughs> and then their their conversations kind of portray that as well they kind of just kind of just builds off of that yeah um that's reflective of the entire opening of the movie everything is conveyed all the character growth and setting up everyone's arc is conveyed pretty fast almost with not even saying anything exactly like they just do it and it's just like oh this is where they're at we're not going to have a character say it mm-hmm. They're just going to do things or look at each other a certain way. And you're like, okay, that's where they're at. Right. No exposition. Show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. Good storytelling. And something else I didn't really think of was how the Millennium Falcon is, like, broken down. Like, from the very beginning. And that sets off an entire series of events that becomes a main problem throughout the entire movie. That's true. It's like, okay, we don't know how the Millennium Falcon got broken down because it was fine at the end of episode four. But somehow, in between that time of three to six months, in between four and five, it got broken down, and that is a main problem. That's the whole reason why they went to Bespin. Mm-hmm. So, without that, there'd be no Lando. That's so, true. And that's from the very beginning. So, nice yeah. to get that plot line started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I talked a lot about my notes. Do you have anything? Um, Actually, you have a t- he has like 12 books so- worth of notes. <laughs> <laughs> so many notes. Um, let's talk about the Wampa scene with Luke. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, that's the first time he uses the Force, which... Ever. You're going to say, yeah, ever, you're going to say that, no, he used the Force in episode four. He, no, he trusted, he heard what the Force was saying to him. It was, in my opinion, it's a little bit different. That was a conscious choice, I guess, but he, like... In the traditional way we think of using the force of moving objects with his mind and everything it was more passive it was yeah it was more of like a fleeting moment where he trusted ben it seemed like he was more he's like i don't know what this force thing is but ben's telling me to do something so i'm gonna listen mm-hmm. so it's the first time he uses the force and the first time he uses his lightsaber hmm. uses it he, he turns it on in episode four and like kind of looks at her whatever he yeah, doesn't use another death I star you're right. he doesn't oh dang I mean, yeah, I mean, hmm. it's it's weird because That's I thought about, like, no, weird. he has to use it on the Death Star in episode four. No, he he turns it on on Tatooine. Hmm. That's it. And it's not talked about again. Wow. Really. I guess you're right. 
and that just shows growth yeah implied growth like that's like his like that's like his weapon like mm. that's what he thinks to go to yeah um and then he uses it again the ATAT walkers mm. he uses it to cut open so he's like he's more comfortable with his identity as a jedi right um which i thought was uh which i thought was pretty cool and then after yeah. that so you know you made the analogy of uh i'll let you make the analogy that you talked about with luke hanging upside down you said oh i don't want to butcher it <laughs> because it was really good i just don't want to butcher it oh thanks so at the beginning of the wampus scene luke starts and he's hanging upside down and he doesn't have his lightsaber and then you know he uses a force for the very first time grabs his lightsaber frees himself and then he cuts off the wampa's arm and flees out into the snow right and then he collapses outside Ben tells him, hey, you should go to Dagobah. And then eventually, Han comes and rescues him. So, he's hanging upside down. He grabs his lightsaber, cuts off the Wampa's arm, then flees and has to be rescued by his friends. I think we should save the rest of the analogy for later. Okay. Let's just set that up now. All right. Just remember all of that information. So, now that you mentioned Dagobah. Yes. Um, at that point, after he escapes the cave, after he cuts off the Wampa and escapes... He's given his own separate purpose, mm-hmm. and it's no none of none of the other characters. It's separate from the other characters' like collective purpose. Like the rest of the group, for the entire movie, has a collective purpose. Yeah, which is, and a lot of like, it's weird how the rest of them don't have individual purposes. Like honestly, besides like maybe Lando, but like the group has its own purpose. They collectively do things together. Yeah, but Luke has his own purpose that he has to do and then he tries to reunite with his friends but he has to go on his own journey before he can even get there mm-hmm. and that starts from ben obi-wan uh, approaching him and saying hey go to dagobah i'm not gonna tell you why just meet yoda and you'll you'll figure it out and honestly that's as direct as the force gets yeah in this movie yeah just the most direct it gets is go here i'm not gonna tell you why you'll figure it out right and then after that you know after that really really deep encounter he gets a diaper <laughs> and water, and he has a fun time, I guess. And then Luke kisses her brother. Not for the not the only time Wait. in the movie, I found out. Well, Luke kisses Leia. What? You used her as a pronoun for Luke. Oh. Subtle distinction. Well, uh, it's a, well, <laughs> Leia, okay, fine. I don't know if I probably misspoke. Leia kisses her brother. So it's like... Either way, it's not good. It's not great. It's not, I'm, I probably misspoke, but either way, it's not good. It's, it's like, okay, we're going to give Luke a purpose, and now he's going to get in a diaper, and he's going to heal up, and then her sis, his sister is going to kiss him. Yeah. And uh, apparently, that makes me. Incest is what you get when you don't plan out your plot. <laughs> is that like the default? You always get that? <laughs> it's like, you know what? It's just. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. But like any other thing that hasn't been planned out, I got ended up with incest. If you don't, you gotta set limits. Honestly, that's not past, past a certain point. You gotta great. decide. You know what? Maybe the main plot twist of my story shouldn't be that they're siblings. It's not that difficult. It's, because they could have done a love triangle. It's really not. It's like if you're going to go that route where she kisses Luke, you can have a love triangle. That is completely fine. Just maybe, maybe don't add the unnecessary detail. 
of them being siblings. Because if you think about it, right, it doesn't really add anything to the Un- story until it the later just makes movies. It really weird for no reason. Right until the later movies, that's when it matters. And then at the end of the film, when when Leia and Luke make the connection, I'd make the argument that's... that it still doesn't matter. Doesn't really, okay. It doesn't really change. Their relationship Much. outside of making it really, really weird. Complicated and weird. I don't feel like it's an equivalent exchange. I feel like no, it's way not. more is lost than gained. I agree. I mean... That's my that's my problem with it. It's my shtick. Didn't need to happen. I don't know why it did. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, I, don't, I think individually, both work fine. If it's... There's a love triangle where she kisses Luke and Han's jealous or their brother and sister and make that a little bit more of a prominent role. But not both. But not both put together. <laughs> That's not how you do things. You don't put two conflicting good ideas together to make a colossal bad idea. And I mean, I know that he threw the trilogy together as he went. Like he didn't just sit down and plot it out. Right. But, you know, there's one guy in the storyboard room. Right. Or it's like, George. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe there was nobody. Maybe, maybe it was just and George that's the in problem. the storyboarding room. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that's probably what happened. That, I mean, that's what happened with the prequels. I feel like we have evidence that that's what happened at least, at least three times. Say what you will about the prequels, but there's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> he kills... Oh, Anakin kills children. Kills a bunch of Tuscan Raiders, whatever. He does some murder stuff, but he never kisses his sister. I will take blatant child murder <laughs> over what? faulty relationships in my stories. I any would day. never. I would. <laughs> I would take <laughs> child murder. <laughs> okay, you you heard it here first. Devin would rather have. Do people disagree with me? Is that a weird thing? Well, whenever you think about it, I feel like it makes people more queasy. I feel like that's a perfectly reasonable. Like it, whenever you say it like that, though, it sounds insane. <laughs> but whenever you watch movies, I mean, it doesn't. I maybe mean, I'm a terrible person, but like whenever I see like murder on screen or something, like somebody kills somebody else, mm-hmm. it doesn't make me sick to my stomach. Right. Like as often. Not as offensive as it, to your senses. It, like sometimes yeah like child murder yeah that's that may do something like that's a problem but but but, and then whenever (laughs) whenever the first i remember the first time i made the connection because i watched episode six and i went back and watched episode five and i was like wait (laughs) i remember feeling so uneasy and i'm like okay that's it's it's not good but whenever murder happens i don't do that (laughs) right i don't know it's a we're, we're we're asking existential questions now, though. Like that's like that has nothing. <laughs> I feel like it needs to, the conversation needs to be had. <laughs> There's I no dis- answer. I disagree. I feel like we're at a good good moving <laughs> on point. I feel like I've talked enough. About I just feel like incest about, about it. Here. I feel like I've reached my limit about incest. I feel like oh, that God. conversation doesn't need to be had for the rest of the decade. Really? Okay. So I feel like Let's just, so if we ignore it, it'll go away. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, I mean, that's, that's what George Lucas thought. That's how... <laughs> I mean, you think about it. That's how problems work, Josiah. Yeah. If you don't address them, they don't exist. They, they don't exist. Right. Whatsoever. Speaking uh, of problems, Darth Vader. 
Darth Vader is a problem? Darth Vader is a huge problem because he's the villain. Oh, I was like, you have a problem with Darth Vader? No. Actually, I have have no problems with Darth Vader. His reintroduction is utterly flawless. You know, shows him just a shot of the back of his helmet. The music kicks in. Absolutely fantastic score. All the Imperial soldiers are apprehensive about him. And it all culminates in his clever insight into where the rebels actually are against all of the general's wishes. Right. He instantly sees through the rebels' ploy, instantly terrifies all the soldiers around him, Honestly, just the perfect reintroduction to the villain. Right. And well, also, he's not introduced until 20 minutes into the film. That's true, but that's less of a problem. That's less the problem because he's not a main character. Right. Right. But th- but what's good about it is is that they still have immediate conflict. Like yeah. they still have problems they have to deal with without Vader. Which okay, the probe, yeah, it's an extension of Vader, but it's really an extension of the Empire. But like mm. Vader plays a big role in episode five like a massive role definitely and they have plenty of problems to deal with before he even gets there mm-hmm. that he has to deal with han having to decide if he's going to leave or not with luke having his whole thing and then he has to decide if he's going to go to dagobah and all that kind of stuff and then vader's introduced it's like yeah that's true i mean there's immediate but in episode four the immediate conflict is vader so and yet vader's reintroduction in empire makes him a bigger threat than mm-hmm. anything else and he's yeah and he's still and he and they wait longer to introduce him mm-hmm. and so that that was that was pretty interesting it was um oh and around right before luke leaves to go uh fight against the ATATs uh on a snow speeder han and luke say goodbye which is their last interaction in the film yeah and it's like it's 20 yeah like 20 25 minutes right and they don't talk again they don't the and entire it, film but but that's not a problem because Han, the whole, the whole first part of the movie is Luke is in trouble, and Han does something incredibly stupid in yeah. everyone else's mind, and goes and rescues him. And that little bit of that action right there, like, completely shows their whole entire relationship for the entire film. Yeah, it develops it mind. perfectly. Yeah, in very little screen time. Because yeah, okay, Han came back in Episode Four and saved Luke. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was kind of to at his own personal risk. I'd say, but not so much as the immediate going out into the freezing cold, knowing that his the thing he's riding on is going to freeze and he has to somehow survive and he doesn't even know if he's going to find Luke. Yeah. And then after that, they say goodbye, but like immediately you feel that connection and they don't talk again for the rest of the film. They don't talk again until what? On the, on the calm link? On the, whenever they're leaving Tatooine? No, 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 no. They talk. No, they, they talk. They talk after right. after Luke defeats the Rancor. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, I was like, I was, I was like, that's too far. But I have to. I haven't watched Return of the Jedi yet. I need to. But it works really well though because they're both characters independent of one another. Yeah, like they're not characters defined by one relationship or one friendship. They're people, mm-hmm. and they work well on their own, right. which is something you cannot say of future characters. That we won't talk about right now. All right, now we're gonna be we're already like twenty minutes in, and we do not need to bring up sequel nice. trilogy. I shouldn't even say what characters we were talking about. Right, but it's still a mystery, guys. Still a mystery. We don't know who Han we're talking. Han and Luke's friendship in two minutes is better than anything in an, another trilogy, which shall not the, be named. Shall not be named, but in the same franchise and comes canonically 
both canonically and chronologically later <laughs> right the mystery still exists yes um let's see so i personally thought the rebels escape plan was well formulated it was like but they didn't have to explain to us what was happening like if you look at episode eight i'm gonna bring up episode eight because the evacuation plan they just leave like there's really not a plan besides pose like okay we're going to go towards this thing and i'm going to distract it all right less but people are be, involved to be fair the almost the entirety of episode eight was an evacuation plan <laughs> yeah that's true it's probably the most the entire then, conflict of episode eight was that they didn't talk about <laughs> evacuation plan but like they did that off the flying off the seat of their pants that wasn't a plan they just had to which okay fine it's impressive that they could just go off the cuff i guess yeah and they most some of well not most like 10 of them survived but they evacuated but in episode five it's like okay they're going to have their transports they're going to have a line a front line that protects the ray shield generator mm-hmm. um of soldiers they're going to have snow speeders attack the ATAT somehow, some way to give the transports enough time. And then they're going to have an ion cannon that um, makes it to where the Star Destroyers are incapable of stopping them. And then somehow they get as many people as they can out, mm-hmm. and they win, basically. They lose the shield generator, but, but that's not the point. The point is, is that they yeah. left. And so the whole thing, whenever you put it all together, it's like, this is extremely well formulated. Mm-hmm. And the... They didn't Fighting lose the... any transports, either. No, they didn't. They just lost a bunch of soldiers. Right. And I think that, you know, they kind of made it a point to be like, okay, these guys are not getting out. Hmm. And they kind of knew that. So, you know, they, even though they don't, they're kind of faceless, but, like, you cared about them. Like, yeah. it's like they didn't even say any of their names. None of them talk. But they just are fighting against the Empire, and you know, yeah. okay, they're stalling. That way they can, the other people can get out. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And I think the... ATAT commander, the general of the troops, is really underestimated. Oh yeah, because it's like he doesn't get enough. He doesn't get enough screen time in order to warrant him being an actual character like Phasma. Mm. Which, okay, I'm gonna bring this up. I think we're talking about episode. I think talking about episode. I think okay, okay, one. But but this is something episode five does really good. Whenever you have subordinate officers that are not going to be the major antagonist. Or a main character, or something like that. Don't make them a main character. We don't need a Captain Phasma. We don't good point. need. We don't. We don't. Okay, General Hux. You could make an argument that he could exist, possibly. But the Imperial. The reason why the the Germans worked really well is because they feared the leader. Like mm-hmm. they they feared Vader. So. They and they were just dropping like flies the entire movie. Even though, like we were talking, we talked about this earlier that mm-hmm. Vader is completely fair. He gives everyone a chance, and if they fail him, they're going to be removed. Yeah, he Vader. Gave them a chance. Vader isn't like needlessly cruel. He's just excessively just. Mm-hmm. You kind of have one shot with him, and if you blow that, then you're worthless and you're dead. Yeah, but then another thing. Okay, we can we can wait to talk about that. I just want to I just want to make sure that we talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that you don't need generals, commanders to play a prominent role. You don't have to. They fill certain, uh, they do certain jobs, and after mm-hmm. that job is done, we do not need to linger on them because then you're just trying to figure out things for them to do, like well, Phasma. 
my opinion on that is that the tough thing with military stories in general, you know, everything from Full Metal Alchemist to Saving Private Ryan, is that characters are interesting because of the actions that they choose to do. Mm-hmm. And with soldiers and generals especially, they just follow orders. So a lot of the time they're just blank slates enforcing someone else's will. Right. Instead of a character that makes interesting choices because they want to. So the general's main point is to be this faceless goon who fights the rebels and to reinforce the idea that Vader is threatening. And he does both of those wonderfully. Right. And then he leaves. Exactly. They fill the role that they're supposed to do. And they do make interesting choices because they are, they, they're scared of Vader. So every decision that they do, they do it so that way they can succeed. Not only so that they can reach the goal, but so that they, they keep their head. True. So, but whenever you try to say, okay, we're going to force this character to have screen time. We're going to force this antagonist that has no re- or this I bat, villain. I don't want to call him an antagonist because that's like the main villain. But a villain to have a prominent role that they have no right playing. No right at all i don't think which is why whenever you give screen time to characters that don't need it then you take away from the characters that do need character development that do need those other types of things you could give it to the main villain make him so intimidating which again we're not talking about this no we're not we're not talking about episode seven nope just five just five just episode vader is a very different villain than kylo ren so vader's whole point is he's going to be intimidating. Kylo Ren tries it. It doesn't work. So that's probably why that they did it in that movie. But in this movie, with the intimidating villain, it was done really well with everyone being scared of Vader. But then they move on because Vader moves on <laughs> from, from commander to commander. But Yeah, the movie knows what to do with its characters. Yeah. Spends the perfect amount of time on all of them. Right. Yeah, and something else that's interesting is, okay, I said earlier that they won. The Rebels didn't win... Because if you look at the grand scheme of things, they wanted to make a base. And then they couldn't. So the Rebels lose first thing. And that's something that continues throughout the entire movie. They're on the run, and they eventually lose Mm -hmm. at the end. But that's okay. Paired with two losses. Right. Like, because their only victories are basically escaping. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they, they escape, but is that really a victory? I don't know. Um... But yeah, I think that's something interesting that they lose first thing and the movie keeps having the heroes lose, but that's not a problem because this isn't the end of the story. This yeah. is the middle of the story and it shows that these guys aren't invincible. Mm-hmm. And I and I really like that. Yeah. And okay, this may be a really long conversation, but the score really of the good. movie is so good. Really Some immediate good. ones that come to mind that we talked about earlier whenever we were talking about this episode. Um, the asteroid scene. Whatever the whole the chase, so good. Mm-hmm. Yoda bringing up the X-wing, so intense, so good. The fight between Vader and Luke, just whenever Vader enters a room, like immediately Imperial March plays. Yeah, it's like almost every single time, and it's really awesome. Um, and it's like, and then Han and Leia's love theme too, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, but it's so good that I didn't even realize they had a love theme. Like it's just like. I don't know. It was weird. Like, I know, like, Across the Stars from Episode 2 was, like, Padme and Anakin's love theme. Mm-hmm. And so, which which is fine. You know, they have they have a love theme, but then Han and Leia, it's, like, just a part of the story. Like, it's just, it just, 
just enhances the entire story, not just their relationship, which I thought was was really good. Um, yeah, I guess it's that that long of a conversation. John Williams is just a genius. Honestly, he's oh, he's so good. He just jumps between themes of characters, weaving them all into different songs. So well done. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to talk about it. The music is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch the movie. Yeah. You'll see what Just we watch. It's it's so it's so good. There are times when you forget about the actual story of the movie because you're so overwhelmed with the actual music of the scene. The asteroid scene. I'm telling you, like I knew what was happening. I knew that they were escaping, but it's like once you once you just listen to the music, it's just like so it's so perfectly paired with what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening on screen isn't you know, they're not basing that off of the music. The music is trying to enhance what's happening in the movie mm-hmm. but it inadvertently looks like the movie's trying to make the music look you know it's just like yeah. they it looks like they're both trying to enhance the other lord of the rings does it too mm-hmm. they both look like they're trying to enhance the other and it works really really well oh yeah good stories good movies will have the music steal the show at least mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. empire does it every other scene <laughs> right right so let's see where are we at in the story the rebels have escaped hoth Yo, um luke um did you want to talk about his character yes right now so last thing we're going to say about hoth so luke is paired with a gunner named Dak, and Dak dies like instantly Dak is nobody we don't know him we kind of don't care that he dies but when luke crashes he tries to save Dak. He tries to pull his body from the ship, even though he knows that he won't get anything out of it, and it'll be very difficult. And then he can't do it, he escapes, and he destroys the Adat, hops into his X-Wing, and flies away. But it reveals who Luke is. He's the kind of person who doesn't give up on people, and he's the kind of person who wants to save everyone around him. You see that later in Episode 5 when he goes to save Han and Leia, even though He's told it's probably not the best idea. His personality just can't rest without going and trying. And then, I know we're trying to keep it just to episode 5, but it is reflective of when Luke tries to save Vader in episode 6. Luke is the kind of person... I find that acceptable. ...that doesn't give up on anything. That's true. Same same, same trilogy, same (laughs) arc. I think it's fun. (sighs) Just another piece of his arc. Right. Yeah, I mean, he the entire time, he just doesn't give up on people. Mm Mm-hmm. He de- even whenever he's trying to get something out of Yoda, he doesn't give up. He's like, I yeah. need this. You know I need this. Um, I'm going to do it whether you tre- you teach me or not. Um, but yeah. Ray, again, Ray tries the same thing. On Luke and it doesn't work. Anyway. <laughs> um, so now we get to Dagobah. The Yoda... Yes. So the first thing I'm, I was immediately struck by... Again, I've seen the movies a million times. I kind of feel guilty for not seeing some of these things. But I just never went into it from a creative perspective. And trying to really, really analyze it. I've always done it in retrospect, not while I'm watching the movie. Yeah. But the first Yoda scene, like all of them really, have this message that I never really thought of. Where it's like, you know, you don't ever want to overlook the small things. Because that's immediately what Luke does. Mm-hmm. Is he's like, this creature is annoying the crap out of me. Until, oh, he knows where Yoda is. Oh, he is Yoda. And it's like, yeah. Yoda's trying to... The whole reason why Yoda did that, I, I think... Is that he's like, don't overlook the small things. Because I'm like the most powerful Jedi ever, and you completely overlooked me. Mm-hmm. You wanted me to go away. Because you didn't want to take the time to see who I actually was. 
So I thought that was a interesting little subtle subtle lesson that they were trying to teach Luke as well. You know what struck me in the first Yoda scene? What? The fact that Yoda starting off sounds just like Miss Piggy. <laughs> it's the same dude same dude it makes sense exact same voice and i just ruined that scene for everyone who heard me say that that's what i thought first thoughts man you as we were talking about this you ruined a ton of different things yes in the movie i can be pretty nitpicky like okay we'll we'll talk about some of them later whenever we get to cloud city um because I, I want to talk about that. <laughs> because You know what I bugs me about Dagobah? He lands on a planet and just hopes to find one guy on it. Like, what was his plan? Just wander the entire gigantic planet and hope to find someone? I think it's, it's a, a nit- story. It's a nitpick. I think it's just... But I think it's, it's a justified one. I think it's... I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I know he kind of crashes on the planet, so... You can chalk that up to the force more than anything else. Yeah, and it works there. Yeah, I I think I think it was like something Yoda was like, oh, I'm supposed to go over here today, and he goes over there, but they kind of land close to his house. Yeah, they land like they, a mile from. They his end house. up <laughs> like right next to his house. I don't know if Dagobah is like three miles wide or something. I don't, but he couldn't see where he was going, and it's the, the force. Planet, it's the spirit swamp from Avatar The Last Airbender. Ugh. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I will eventually watch it because I know you want to talk about it on here. They but... crash landed in the spirit swamp. In Avatar? Yeah. Oh, really? Super useful. Dang. Did... Spirit force stuff. Did like a serpent swallow one of them? Technically, no. Technically? Wait, why Te- the technically? Technically, no. Because like they got swatted down by a tornado. And then got attacked by these vines. It's like technically no, but so no. It doesn't seem like this is one of them got eaten by some vines. Oh, they got eaten, like and didn't come back. Like, well, they came back. Like how R two gets eaten. Okay, you know how R (laughs) two gets eaten by the sea serpent thing. Right. It's like that. Oh. Exactly like that. One for one with no differences. Other, other than the fact that it's two different people in two different circumstances and they're only related because it's a magical swamp right right okay yeah well definitely the exact same in exactly my mind exactly the same so yeah so he's on he's on dagobah trying to convince yoda hey train me and ben's like train him and yoda's like no and Again, we'll it's talk well about done. this whenever we get to episode eight. We will. I promise I'm not trying to talk about the other movies, but mm-hmm. it's just happening. Ha. Yoda is a is to Luke as Luke is to Rey. Correct. So, and of course, everyone's like, okay, of course. But Yoda seems to have some sort of guilt for what happened to the Jedi Order. He seems, you know, Luke completely in episode eight closed himself off from the Force. Yoda didn't really do that. I don't think he completely... Because, you know, whenever you watch the Clone Wars and everything, he has something to do. He, he makes mm-hmm. a connection with, with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, he is using the Force still. But it seems like he is hesitant to train another Jedi because of what happened to the other ones and also because he's the offspring of Anakin. Yeah. So, he is hesitant. But, you know, and then later on he says, 
there's another hope and everything and you know it's like he knows that they will have to be the future and he knows that he has to do whatever he can in order to uh ensure that future comes to pass which mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know why this is a nitpick but obi-wan says that boy is our last hope and then yoda says oh there's another it's like well yeah obi-wan was there he knows that there's two of them well he probably just thinks that leia right okay like he probably just thinks that luke is more likely to be the hope i mean it makes it more dramatic whenever yoda's like no there's another and you're like wait what does that mean and it does like this spotlight on him like the, all the lights fade out and then just this one spotlight shines down on yoda oh really he, funny if you haven't seen the clip you should look it up because it's hilarious I, i'm pretty sure if you've seen the episode empire strikes back you've seen the clip well they need to go watch it again because it's it's just that good <laughs> he needed to have like a even though this movie wasn't out yet they need to have like a Kristoff moment from frozen 2 and just start right. singing a song like Panic like Disco. the muppets like he, like he, the muppets he is a muppet he is a muppet made by jim henson company mm-hmm. and voiced by frank oz yoda's a muppet confirmed frank oz the same guy who does miss piggy that's why he sounds like miss that's piggy. why he sounds like miss piggy I, i'm a song in in the yoda voice well yeah life's a happy song after all you want to know one more interesting thing about the yoda scene <laughs> yes i do so he refuses to teach luke at first based off two things that luke is too emotional and only wants to move forward and then the second thing is that he's too old mm-hmm. and then when the prequels come around you see that he was hesitant to train anakin because he was too emotional too forward seeing and he was too old and now luke is more forward thinking and he's like eight years older than anakin was at the time oh easily and Probably yoda 10. saw what happened to anakin and he doesn't want to repeat that with luke Takes a lot of prodding right. from over. But he also knows I think one thing that pushed him over the edge is that like he's like this is it. Yeah. Like even if yeah, he think he's thinking about Leia, but he's like, This is the most likely chance we have at defeating the Emperor. We have to take this chance. There's not it's not like there's plenty of other Jedi. It's like this is all we have. Definitely. So yeah, I mean that is a good point. How it took it took a lot for him to took it from Obi Wan and then Obi Wan says, So was I like I thought he said. I thought at one point he says I was too old. I don't. I don't think that was his age. I think it was like with his reckless. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Reckless demeanor. I always thought it was his age, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> so what's that story? <laughs> yeah, because we don't know where he came from. So all in all, it's really well done. You know, if you just watch episode five on its own, it works wonderfully. But then the added materials that come later only serve to make it better. They don't conflict. They just improve right yeah i mean they do they do the mentor thing really really well it's a really really yeah he's like a reluctant mentor but he knows that he has to do this with everything he's got or else it's not going to go well luke's not going to take it very well and it's not gonna you know his, he's never gonna fulfill his destiny mm-hmm. the cave scene cave scene the most arguably the most complex scene of the movie yeah because foreshadowing. it's foreshadowing it's you know it's from the very so you know they do this training thing and luke feels cold and yoda's like or he looks over it in the direction he's like what's in there and yoda says uh only what you take with you and when you think about it you know he's talking about emotional stuff it's like okay what are you going to take in there you're going to take hate fear or are you going to take in 
the yeah. good side of the force. Mm-hmm. But Luke takes his weapons. And then Yoda says, you don't need them. But he still takes them. Mm-hmm. And Yoda said, whatever's in there is what you take with you. He took his weapons, so of course he found violence. Like, that's just what's going to happen. He said, like, even though it's a physical thing instead of, like, the force or whatever. Yeah. He took that in, so that's what he found. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's multiple multiple different takes on this. And I, I think it's like a... It's a warning to Luke that if he does not take this seriously, and if he loses, if he loses concentration and ditches the training too early, this is what he will become. Um, but that's not what happens. He does ditch the training, mm-hmm. but he doesn't lo- lose his way. And I think it's because, like Yoda said, the f- the future is always in motion, so you can't always predict that. So the Force is trying to be like a warning: Hey, you need to be aware of this. It's not like this is what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the yeah. cave scene is really vague, but it's vague enough to where you don't immediately get it. But it's descriptive enough that you get it in retrospect. Right. It foreshadows everything it needs to, and it isn't unlike later visions, just nonsense for the sake of nonsense that doesn't amount to anything. Right. It gets paid off in the movie that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like... It is foreshadowing for... You know, it could be foreshadowing for later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does pay off basically everything that's there. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, again... Yeah, I think... I don't know. I, I keep going back to Yoda... Has closed himself off from the force because I'm debate. I'm thinking about it in my head because I'm like, okay, but he hasn't. Did, has he? He might have blunted he, it a th- little I bit. I think yeah, because it just seems like he's more like Luke in Episode Eight because it's like he does he he thinks he failed, mm-hmm. even if you know he didn't fail. It wasn't really his fault. He feels like he has responsibility for what happened, and so. Yeah, yeah and I you think... do see that failing in episode three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, this movie does so many things very well. You know what we have to go back and talk about? What? We have to talk about Han, Leia, and the Falcon in space on the asteroid. Right. Are you talking about the atmosphere? Um, Just the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing. The okay. whole thing. Okay, you can take that. I believe oh. in you. Okay. Um... All in all, really well done. Genius plan to hop into the asteroid field. Really showcases Han's abilities and his character. Uh, Them frantically repairing the Falcon throughout the entire chase is refreshing and humorous. And then finally, they chill in this cave. So we get some more development of the Han and Leia relationship, more character building for all the others. And then Leia sees something on the outside of the ship. So then they put on gas masks, open up the door, and step into the vacuum of space to go check their windshield. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Their eyeballs would have been sucked out of their sockets. I know I'm being very nitpicky. Hilarious. There's probably nitpicky. a canonical explanation. That somehow inside of the inside of the thing, because there's also gravity. True, but everything emits gravity just not strong gravity true but they seem to be completely unimpaired right so the gravity is a little too strong to make sense right that being said the scene is really good (laughs) 
Right. I swear I'm just nitpicking over minute details at this point. No, it's fine. I mean, you know, and again, like we talked about this earlier, um, that they use the scenes with Han and Leia. They, they just needed scenes for Han and Leia to be doing something. Yeah. While Luke did his own purpose. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, Han and Leia have to be doing something. And they chose but, that to grow their character. Right. They inadvertently created an entire storyline mm-hmm. that, I, I personally, I don't know if this is true. I just think that whenever George Lucas was sitting down, he's like, okay, this is Luke's movie. Han and Leia have to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. But really, it's almost like their storyline is just as important. Mm-hmm. Because they're growing closer together. They're having their own conflict. Just as much. Yes. As Luke grows on his own. Yeah. And it's really, it's really interesting to see because... Mm-hmm. Their relationship is growing, and you see that they're starting to grow their love for each other, and then they have to go to Bespin, and then uh, Han has to talk with Lando and everything, and they have their own, you know, Han and Lando's relationship is showcased, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, Han and Leia's, obviously, is phenomenal. It's really good. Yes. Very well done. Uh-huh. Um, and so, instead of just having, like, okay, we just need to, I don't care what it is, we just gotta throw the characters over here that we Luke can do his own thing, mm-hmm. they made it, like, one of the best parts of the movie. Which was, which again, I don't know if that's what they, how they approached it, but I feel like that's what they would have done because this is yeah. Luke's movie. Um, On paper, it sounds like filler. In execution, they developed the characters really well. Yes. And everything having to do with the asteroids is super tense and enjoyable to watch. I agree. Okay, so back to Dagobah. Luke, dis- Luke has a vision. Yep. While he's doing some force training after the cave, mm-hmm. and he sees his friends in pain. And, you know, that's, so bring you up to speed with Han and Leia, they leave the asteroid, they all, they leave the cave thing, which is actually a worm or whatever, tries to eat them, they leave, they get, they meet up with the Empire, the Empire starts shooting them, they go to the, they attach themselves to the back of the bridge, okay, the Empire hires some bounty hunters, one of them being Boba Fett, um, so then now he's going to be chasing them. Mm-hmm. Then they wait till the Star Destroyer releases its garbage. The Millennium Falcon falls like it is the garbage, and Boba Fett follows. They go to Bespin, where Lando is. Lando's, if you've seen Solo or any of the movies, <laughs> he is um, Great a gambler. Character. He's a, such a good character, a smuggler. Um, he owns a Tabana gas mining company on Bespin. It's like a giant gas planet. Mm-hmm. And Han doesn't know, you know, okay, I kind of double-crossed him in his mind. We had some problems a long time ago, but then it ends up being fine. Yeah. But actually, Lando betrays them and gives them over to Darth Vader. Darth Vader takes Han and sets him up in a torture chair. And Han gets tortured. Okay, okay, fine. The Empire's bad. It's not good. But then, after they take him back into the holding cell, and he's like, I don't feel good, they lay him down on the table, and he's like, they didn't even ask me any questions. They weren't interrogating me. They were just torturing me for the sake of torture. And then it's not a coincidence that Luke is back in in Dagobah and he's like, they're in pain. It's like Vader knows. Somehow he knows that Mm -hmm. Luke would be able to feel his friends in pain. With Leia's being emotional, I guess. Really emotional. Han's being really angry at Lando. Because he's literally being tortured. (laughs) Yeah, and then he's being tortured. He's in physical pain. And like he's screaming at the top of his lungs. So 3PO's totally dismantled. Buck is shoved in a cell and forced to listen to this blaring noise screeching which which okay what's that about i it's torturing chewbacca were they 
I mean, was that was that to torture Chewbacca? Maybe. I don't know. That w- that He's doesn't in a make cell, sense. And there's a really loud obnoxious well, then, okay, noise. Okay, then that he what's really to torture hates. Leia? Is uh, it is it Han going in carbon freezing? I mean, I feel like that, and just knowing that Han is getting tortured, I feel like that causes both Leia and Chewie emotional distress. Right. Which in turn creates more pain for Luke to feel. Right. Yeah, I all think all in all pain. All in all, a lot of pain. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, but anyway, Luke has to decide, am I going to go try to rescue them? Mm-hmm. And Yoda warns, if you go to rescue them, you could probably save them, but you will destroy everything that they have fought for and they've suffered for. Likely. Like, well, he mm-hmm. says that you that they will. Yes. But again, you know, Yoda hasn't been always right. Mm-hmm. And he makes a point to say in the movie, the future is always in motion so you could argue that at the end there's a scene at the end where you know they're leaving bespin or whatever and they almost get captured that could have been the scene where yoda was like since they came back and got you because luke doesn't rescue them he doesn't they get away by themselves and then they have to come back to get him to show up they waste time saving him from his decision to save them. And then they almost get captured. And they almost would have lost everything that they had fought for. Just like Yoda said. So that's what I'm thinking that he's talking about. But anyway, he decides to leave before his training's over. Mm-hmm. He promises to come back. And he has a conversation with, with Obi-Wan as a ghost and Yoda. And they both try to convince him to stay. He doesn't want to. So um, Obi-Wan acts like he's surrendering to the police. And he just tells him, don't give in to hate because it leads to the dark side. And Yoda's like, focus on your training. It can save you. And then Luke says he'll come back. And then he leaves. And then Obi-Wan says again, that boy is our last hope. And Yoda goes, no, there is another. That, once again, vague. 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 Good theory material. But I, this, is, this is where I have theory. Um, it's inadvertent foreshadowing. If you will... Just if you watch episode seven, who is the main character? Who's one of the main characters? Who's at the forefront of the entire fight? Leia. Leia in episodes seven, eight, and nine plays a crucial role in keeping the resistance together. Yeah. So not only during this fight, but the next time Palpatine comes back. That's true. She is the person who is there consistently the entire time. She holds the resistance together. So she is the other hope. She just wasn't the other immediate hope. It was more of like the delayed for later. Of course, which it's so weird to think about that during this time where they made the movie, they weren't even thinking. That wasn't even a thought or anything. So I mean, they throw the story together as they go along. And then later on, they're like, okay, we can use this. They make everything work together. And so I know some people complained about Leia being at the forefront and not Luke or Han, but it's like, if you look here, they foreshadowed it. Yeah. Inadvertently foreshadowing the next three movies after episode six. Um which I thought, which I thought was interesting, and something mm-hmm. else that's like small, is that whenever you go into the big carbon freezing room, mm-hmm. you like you have no idea what the crap's going on, like no idea, and yeah. they keep talking about carbon freezing, and they use C three PO to explain it, which is in which fits in with his character, yeah, which is really cool. Where it's like he explains things. They know what their characters are good for. Yeah, so he explains like, oh, carbon freezing. He should be he should be safe in there. Mm-hmm. As long as he survived the process. So that's how you know what's at stake. So it's like, okay, he gets put in there. And then right before they go to check on him, you're like, oh, crap, he may be dead. Mm -hmm. 
and then it's like always oh, alive. So it's really cool how C-3PO, he fits in with this character, but then he tells us what's going on, which is really cool how it wasn't just like, it wasn't like Leia. It wasn't like anything else, you yeah. know? Um, and then also during that scene, um, I know you want to talk about Boba. Yeah, Boba Fett's really well done in this movie. You know, he tracks Han, and one thing the movie does really well with all its characters is introducing them. You know, they introduced Lando, and he's smooth, and he's cunning, and he betrays them, but for a reason that makes sense. You know, it reintroduces Vader expertly, it reintroduces us to all of our main characters by showcasing their personality traits and showing us how they've grown. But with Boba Fett, it introduces him by having him outsmart Han and use the same method Han used to escape the Empire to track Han. Right. So then Boba Fett gets there, he succeeds, he calls the Empire, and the Empire comes and catches Han. Well, Vader, who is not unnecessarily cruel, but excessively just, he treats Boba Fett with respect. Boba Fett snips at him, he demands more payment and that the deal be changed in his favor he insists on getting what they agreed upon and vader doesn't kill him he doesn't even reprimand him he sees that boba fett succeeded and he respects that he just mm -hmm. lets it happen and he assures boba fett that he'll get what he needs and what they agreed on and he doesn't do that with anyone else no not with not with lando because lando's the pushover it's right. like lando is just like not only, like, Boba, you know, pushes for more. It's like, if Han dies, I need money. Like, mm -hmm. that wasn't a part of the agreement. They were just going to give him Han with no extra expense. Yeah. But Vader's like, okay, I'll give you more. With Lando, he kept changing the plan. Giving Lando kept, less and less. Yeah, he kept changing the plan because Lando's a pushover. He, mm -hmm. He's like, you haven't done anything for me. With Lando, Vader knows he has to keep authority. Right. With Boba, he sees him and respects him as a success. Right, because he because he succeeded where his entire Imperial fleet couldn't. Right. But he also, we, we also talked about this, about how he probably reminds him of the clones. Mm -hmm. Because his dad was the basis for the clones in episode two, and then he asked for an unaltered son, Boba, Mm -hmm. And so he's by Vader's side like the entire time, just like Rex was during the Clone Wars. And yeah. so he kind of respects him as, I know this guy's motivation because I fought alongside people like him for years, and they saved my life. Right. So he, And you can make the yeah. argument that all of that is extrapolated backwards right. and not originally intended, but it just shows the passion of yeah. the people that make Star Wars. I think it's, yeah. And how they are insisting that everything fit together. Mm -hmm. Whatever they yeah. do only compliments everything else right yeah and i think the respect part definitely could could be just isolated to that movie because that was all the stuff that he did was in, in, encapsulated in the movie yeah um man that you know luke gets there after han's been put in carbonite they um they want luke to be led inside the carbonite room so mm -hmm. they make it they go along a path with leia and them and boba to lead him to there mm -hmm. Um, Leia tries to warn him it's a trap, but he's, for some reason, just doesn't even listen. Um, well, what else could she mean by that? She says it's a trap. How is he supposed to know what she means? Right. Uh, it, it, yeah, if all you say is a trap, it's like... It's vague enough. Yeah, it's vague. He chases after him, goes down the wrong path, assuming... Mm -hmm. uh, assuming, it's what you're supposed to assume that he went down the wrong path. Yeah. And then he fights Vader. And it's really cool. It's really cool. It shows how he's grown. Mm -hmm. It shows how he can hold his own. 
Um, like you said, though, during, throughout the entire duel, he only hits Vader twice. Only hits Vader twice. He kicks him once off the carbon freezing room, and then he hits his shoulder towards the end of the fight on the platform. Right, but that's... Only hits him twice throughout the entire fight. That's more than Obi-Wan did. And Obi-Wan decided well. to die at the end of the fight. I don't think he went into... I think he went into the fight preparing himself to, if he had to. Yeah. But I don't think that he went into the fight thinking he was going to die. He could have landed some hits on, on uh, Vader, but he didn't. Um, so, yeah, the duel is... It's so intense because Luke is fighting for his friends and Vader is fighting so that Luke will join him. That's yeah. why he's fighting him. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's he's in the way, but really, he tell, you know he tells the Emperor, if he doesn't join us, he'll die. Mm-hmm. But really, he's like, he needs to join us. Right. And it was, man, when whenever, you know, Luke gets pushed back, thrown out the window or whatever, they fight on the path or whatever, and then Vader chops off his hand. Mm-hmm. And... They have this conversation about Luke hates him because he killed his father, and then Luke said, and then Vader says, "I am your father." And that still like just packs a punch. Still, like you still like after yeah. you watch the movie, you get to think about all what that means. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Of all the things with Anakin, with with all the stuff that Vader's done and how he's chasing Luke, it's like all that just kind of comes in waves, and you're like, "This is sense. intense." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all makes sense, and then. The biggest thing that comes to mind is, okay, why did Ben say all that other stuff? Mm-hmm. And then not it's not if it's not a plot hole. Because right. Luke is asking the same question. Mm-hmm. It's not like they ignore it. Right. It's like they they draw attention to it. Right. They draw attention to it and it's like they they almost do it not too, okay, they almost do it too much. Because Luke just keeps saying it. Whenever he's whenever he's hanging on the thing, whenever mm-hmm. he's in bed, whenever he's staring out the window. He yeah. just keeps saying it over and over and over again. I mean, you can say that a plot hole, if it's ignored, is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's a plot hole that the characters keep talking about, it's not really a plot it's hole not, at that point. Yeah. It's, it's a, an unrevealed mystery. It's an op- Yeah, it's an open-ended story thread. Yeah. It's not a plot hole. Um, but then it just brings depth to Obi-Wan's character. Mm-hmm. Because he, he had to have known, okay, Luke's going to find out. But why am I holding this from? Why am I keeping this from? Um, right. So, yeah, that's... That's an that's an, another interesting thing that uh, I saw. Um, Luke doesn't let his encounter um, in this specific case define his destiny, mm-hmm. um, because this was an encounter to where he he was filled with rage against Vader. Yeah. And then he gets this crushing realization. He's like, his father they never had. Mm-hmm. And Yoda had said, if you do this, you will probably turn to the dark side. Basically, that's what he got. But he doesn't let that define him. He chose. Right. And he made an independent decision regardless of what other people said his destiny was, even Yoda. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I am not going to do that, which I thought was which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And so then, he, so in doing that, he falls off of the platform away from Vader. He goes down a chute, yep. and he lands on like a reverse antenna thing <laughs> at the bottom, metal mm-hmm. bars on the bottom, falling through the hole, almost falling into the core of the, of the gas giant. Right. And that's where you wanted to bring him back to the Wampa. Yes. So... Luke ends the movie at the same place that he was at the beginning of the movie. He's hanging upside down. He doesn't have his lightsaber. And this time, he's the one that lost his hand. Yes. It really hammers home how he did not complete his training. 
He ended up same place. Same place that he was at the beginning of the movie, except now he's even worse off. There's because... a hand gone. Right. Some point. Yeah. Not his. Not not his at the beginning, but there is a hand missing. It's like this time he's even worse. Yes, than he was at the beginning. Right. Man. It's really well executed. It's beautiful symmetry, and it really just hammers home the point of what he learns which is learning that he needs to learn (laughs) yeah that's like his whole entire thing that he's learned he's like okay besides his dad yes it's like i mean we talked about dad's destiny (laughs) following down his dad's destiny (laughs) being the chosen one we want to talk about that we'll talk about that later (laughs) yeah because that is a whole conversation in and of itself um but yeah and then you know while he's there Mm-hmm. Back at where he was at the beginning of the movie in a lot of ways with the imagery and symmetry and everything. Yeah. Um, he's there, and he's calling out. He, he, he keeps saying, okay, why didn't you tell me, Ben? Mm-hmm. But then he asks for Leia. And that's to me, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. Because uh, you can make the argument, okay, who else is he going to call to? Even though he doesn't, I guess he knows that Han's in Carbonite. Because he saw it. Yeah. But I don't know if he knew it was Han. I think I think he did. Whenever he's hiding or whatever. I mean, Leia's the only one that called out to him. Right. So I think he knows that Han's in Carbonite. So, but it's interesting how he called out to Leia. Mm-hmm. And so I guess he must have just been assuming if I call out to her, she'll hear me. But then, you know, like, they have that connection. And that's like a hint. It is a, it's it's a little bit of foreshadowing that they're siblings. Not, not a lot. Not it's a lot. Not a lot. It's not a lot of stuff to go on. But they do something. Yeah. That hasn't been done before. With two alive, with two people who are alive, having a connection like that. A dyad in the forest. A dyad. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Oh man. All right, but the real question is, how was Leia free in the first place? How is she free? How is she free? The answer is Lando Calrissian betraying the right. Empire. Right. I forgot about that. Betrays the Empire. We like him even more as a character because he does good things. However, he does bad things for reasons that he thought were going to be good so lando frees them and they he gives the order for everyone to evacuate and then they run away they get back to the falcon but and this is the only reason that i circled back to this whatsoever as they're running because... out <laughs> yes as they're running out there is very clearly a guy who is running out of cloud city <laughs> carrying a gigantic ice cream machine we will put i'll find the timestamp. it is i'll put it in the description it's clearly an ice cream machine he's holding it like it's a prop <laughs> it's not a prop it's just it's oh, it's it's an ice cream maker it's clearly an ice cream maker and he's he just has it oh this random extra well, well utter utter there's... beauty that that's that's like a that's a good thing that's like a yes. good blooper oh, there's yeah. one there's one minor one whenever luke and vader are about to have their have, to have their climactic fight mm-hmm. and luke turns on his lightsaber vader hasn't turned on his lightsaber yet but there's like the training sword that they have been using mm. it's visible that's uh, probably put the time stamp on that one as well not, just because i noticed it not as good as the ice cream maker guy no 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 no. that one that one made the movie better yes it's like he just wanted to make some ice cream on the run <laughs> like he's just like i don't know when we have ice cream again right i have no idea so this, he took his, like, his probably his wife and kids are still in the room. <laughs> he just didn't tell them. He's like, I gotta grab the ice cream maker. <laughs> Priorities, man. Priorities. Right. Oh. But yeah, the, the heroes keep losing. Yes. You know, they keep, they keep losing, and they, they lose in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, they get to the Falcon, fly away, barely save Luke. They save Luke. And then they technically win, because they don't get captured. Right. But it's basically a loss. So there's the scene 
the scene of them leaving Bespin mm-hmm. is so intense. Yeah. Because, you know, they're it's the big shipper. It's it's the executor, right? The massive Star Destroyer? I think so. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have to be. So, yeah. So, it's like this massive ship, and they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And they almost get pulled into a tractor beam. Not only that, but Vader and Luke are having a moment. Vader's trying to call out to Luke, and... They're dyad in the force. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they... They have this connection, and Luke, uh, Leia kisses Luke again. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I thought it was just she kissed him on the forehead, and that's, but she that kisses him on the mouth. Even less sense because of all the stuff that she's had with Han. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't. It's like she I says that I love you, and maybe it's because Han said I know, and she's like, you that's didn't say I love you back. Like that's that's it. Like Lucas is like, she's ticked. <laughs> that's what he's thinking not a plot hole not like not anything like not like flying off the seat of his weird. pants weird i don't it's a no guys it's... <laughs> it's a hard pass let's let's not do that again but you know which i did think it was a, i thought the scene with luke whenever vader says luke and he goes father <laughs> it's like no like you would no, think he would be like worked. no that it just well seemed done. like he was too eager it was like father like it's like he it's not alarmed. samuel in the bible where he hears god and he's like <laughs> i'm here i'm here lord yes. i'll do whatever you want it's just it's like no it just i mean okay it wasn't it wasn't that big. it was concerned that's such a nitpick concerned. but it just seemed like he was like but he said father he said it in like almost a like it's like it's a normal kid would talk to his dad his dad yes. is not a normal dad it is somebody who tried to kill him multiple times it's the thought that counts fine it's the surprise of hearing his voice when you think you're safe whatever man it, fine I'll, I'll allow it but you know there then they get away yes and it cuts back to vader and you know it cuts back to vader and that's where we were talking about um his ruthlessness mm. not he's not again people say he's like ruthless and he's intimidating which he is but he's just excessively just yeah and that's when he doesn't whenever he leaves the bridge he doesn't kill anybody right they all tense up as he walks past mm-hmm. but he ignores them mm-hmm. yeah because he knows that that's not their fault he's like i tried to turn luke this was my plan i this is not on them mm-hmm. this is on me and that's the last you see him in the movie is him owning up to his in his own way mm-hmm. not killing somebody is him owning up to his mistakes right he's own, no one else to blame he turns away from this turns away from the window mm-hmm. looking out into space after they've gone to hyperspace and he owns up to it and he leaves he's like this is on me so in a way vader loses as well the empire i don't, I, I would say the empire doesn't win yeah because the whole point was to get luke maybe that's why empire is such a great movie because the tension keeps rising and the mm-hmm. problems grow worse and worse, and then at the end of the movie, everyone loses. Every yeah, everyone so doesn't win. Everyone everything loses. you're invested in is like, oh no, like everything ends on an unsatisfactory note, and it leaves you wanting more. Right. And Luke almost brought like Yoda's words into fruition. Yeah. What he said, I'm gonna I'm gonna read. I think I have the quote here. Really close. If you, it says, whenever Luke's trying to debate on leaving yoda says if you leave now help them you could but you will destroy all for which they have fought and suffered if they have been captured 
they would have lost. Yeah. But again, Yoda says constantly, it constantly gets brought in my mind. He always said it once. But he says, <laughs> the future is always in motion. So everything that he said is a, it's more, he should be taking it as a warning, not as this is actually what's going to happen. Because nothing that Yoda says is, that's definitely going to happen, if I'm, if I'm, if I remember correctly, none of it actually comes to fruition. But it looks like it will. Mm-hmm. It just looks like through all the circumstances that they go through, that's what's going to happen. They escape it barely. Barely. And so it was very high probability that they were going to to all lose mm-hmm. in the rebellion. Because Luke wouldn't have been there to, there to distract the Emperor and Vader. Mm-hmm. They would have lost the entire rebellion. Yeah. So, yeah, all in all, it's a great film. And then it ends Definitely. with Lando and Chewbacca going off to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. We find out later. And... Well, they say Tatooine in the movie. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because Luke says, you're going back to Tatooine. We'll join you when I'm healed. Okay. And then, you know, Luke gets a new hand. Mm-hmm. Neat. And they stare off into space, and the movie ends. But it's kind of a triumphant ending, almost. It's like, it, hopeful. I shouldn't say triumphant. Hopeful. It's very hopeful. Yeah. It's like, four we was, lost. Four was triumphant. Yeah. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. Four was less hopeful because because they don't the not hopeful one. What's weird is that, that a new didn't hope, have hope in the title. A new right. It's actually <laughs> about the empire kicking their butt. Is right. basically the title. <laughs> and it sounds like a comic book title. Like, yeah, the Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. I just get the idea of it being like this old comic book with like gigantic letters and this yeah spiky circle around it and crazy colorful font. Right, right. And in episode four. They didn't look to anything. Mm-hmm. It was, this is it. That could have been a standalone movie. It would have been weird. That's, a little yes. bit. But because it would have been entire, but it would have been in line with the other movies that were being made during the 1970s, 60s, and all the other movies that he got inspiration from. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have just been that. Mm-hmm. They weren't looking towards anything. Empire Strikes Back is looking towards the future. It's like, we lost, but they're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're moving forward. Which is, which is... And a good a good way to end, like especially the Marvel trilogy, but really a good way to end a movie is them looking forward, definitely to something. Um, so yeah, that's Empire Strikes Back, and it's really good. It's such a good movie. Again, it's the best one. Despite our nitpicks, we will we will probably come out with a video or a or a podcast something, ranking our favorite our favorite ones. That'd be nice. I think we may disagree, probably a little bit. Yes, I I think that. In spirit, we'll be in agreement. <laughs> in actuality, because we're making the same jokes. Because I don't think I don't think we've ever ranked them. I know we've talked about each movie individually. That's true. But I don't think we've ever said we may have done each trilogy or something. But like yeah. just in our normal conversations that we have. But I don't think we've ever ranked them. Which will be that'll be interesting because I know we agree on this, but I wonder what we agree on. We all know that Attack of the Clones is the best it's the, it's the best yeah we're being facetious we should actually just have a whole podcast about attack of the clones right and how we literally worship it literally literally not figuratively there's no incest what <laughs> that's why that's why that's why it's a good movie well okay if that's our standard for movies empire strikes back is not a very good movie right if that if that's the standard Say we will about episode that, two. That's going to be that's... the opener. Empire Strikes Back is not a good movie. Yes. Obviously. Devin. Crap. That's what's going to be the opening. 
and everyone's gonna be like, "What the heck?" <laughs> I can live with that, I guess. I think I, I don't think know how for fun. how long, but I can I can probably survive. You can a probably survive while. until we stop recording, right? Which is really all we need you for. All right, guys, we're just gonna jump right into episode <laughs> six, <laughs> and then one, two, three. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine. You want to do Lord of the Rings next? We can do Lord of the right, Rings next. Yes. We can just keep going. One consistent we'll just keep going. take. Man, we're already at like a, like an hour sixteen. So yes. I mean, it's <laughs> be a long that'd be a long podcast episode. It's already a long podcast. This is like this is probably... over double the length of the last one. Right, because I <laughs> I did more preparation for this one. Right, me too. Which okay, episode four. It's a great movie, but it's like it's it's a classic. I mean, you know, it has it has it has a, it has a good storyline, but it's not it doesn't have as many layers. Yeah. So it's really easy to talk about. Mm-hmm. Good foundation. Anyway, it's a very good foundation and a stepping stone. Yeah. To the next, uh, the next movie. So, yeah, this has been a good conversation. Uh-huh. Check out thecravedominion.com. We're adding new content all the time. Yeah. Read our um, blog sometime. We add a lot of good stuff up there. Yeah, he adds a lot of good stuff. Up i specifically i just add stuff i add a lot of <laughs> <laughs> i just put stuff on there it's it's right. not great it's not good and i wouldn't even say it's bad it's just stuff yeah uh actually just put the word stuff everywhere all the time because that's that's what i've committed to right putting stuff on there well done I, I appreciate that i do but seriously check it out uh share the website with your friends and the and the podcast as well yeah. um it's on spotify we have it on um, our website mm-hmm. uh, on a player you can watch and we also will have some show notes on there so go ahead and check it out and we'll see you all next time fairly well